let me introduce you to inspiring entrepreneurs. Hi there, my name is Ben Gothard. My mission is to interview incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world and present their stories to you, unscripted and unedited. From billionaires to Forbes 30 under 30 recipients to New York Times bestselling authors and much, much more, these people are living proof that nothing is impossible. Join me on this journey to learn from their experiences and become the person you're meant to be. Welcome to the Project Egg Show every morning at 8 a.m. Central. Two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Project Egg Show. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Let's get this thing underway. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Anton Crayley. Now, Anton has been a serial entrepreneur for more than a decade, finding success building and selling multiple seven-figure businesses. That's a lot of figures. You can't even fit it on one hand. In 2013, he started Drop Ship Lifestyle to teach people how to create profitable e-commerce businesses by leveraging high-ticket drop shipping. He was voted best e-commerce course by Shopify in 2018. Now, Shopify voting for that. Uh, drop Ship Lifestyle, excuse me, is now the top online e-commerce coaching program and has helped more than 10 thousand students. I would need so many hands to count that number on my hands in 25 countries to find freedom through entrepreneurship. So without any further ado, it is an extreme pleasure to introduce Anton. How you doing today, man? Doing so good, Ben. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited about this. Absolutely. The pleasure is all mine. So let's jump right in. What is your story? Oh man, how far back do you want to go? Whole way. Literally. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll fast forward through some of the beginning, but, um, you know, my story is just a, a regular guy grew up on a uh, long Island in New York and, um, middle-class family again, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. My dad was a butcher and my mom sold electronical components doing inside sales. Um, yeah, just normal middle-class life. When I was really young, I noticed that, uh, that one of my dad's brothers, my uncle, he definitely had like a different lifestyle than what we had. So everything with us was good. You know, family had two cars, had a good house, it was safe, but he had a couple houses. He had some sports cars, he had some boats. And I remember being like five years old and I was like, hey, Uncle Chris, like what's, what's the deal here? And he was like, yeah, listen, when I was about 30 years old, I made a decision to venture off on my own and leave a really high paying job to start my own business. And because of that, it affords me this lifestyle. And he explained to me, even back then, like, I'm not smarter than your parents, I'm a regular guy, but I took that chance on myself, I was committed to it, and it paid off. So my story starting back then was, okay, I'm this five-year-old kid, I know one day I will be an entrepreneur, didn't know what that meant at the time, but I knew that was my life path. So um, still, you know, finished school, I did go to college, upstate New York in SUNY Albany, 
in my head back then, I just thought I have to wait till I'm out of school till I could start something. Like it was just, I, I remember my senior year, like dreading class and just thinking I want to be out because I'm, I'm ready. And looking back on it, once I graduated and I started, I could have easily done it when I was you know, 17, 18, 19 and done it hand in hand. But uh, yeah, got out of school 21 years old back in 2006 and uh, just got to work. Back then I bought my first business for money I saved up doing landscaping and odd jobs in the summers. And um, from there just transitioned into e-commerce. Let's talk about that pivotal moment when you were five. Yep. Why was that such an impactful moment? Yeah, you know, this you? is this is yeah something that I, I think like I want to be able to to show people. Um, you know, like let's just say that wasn't my uncle or my uncle didn't start his own business. Right. And we just went to his house because we go to his house for Christmas and stuff, but we just went to his house on Christmas Eve and it was like ours and I would love it, you know, have a great time, but I would never have that spark in my head, like that there's a different path. And maybe like everybody else, I would see TV shows where people had big houses and had, you know, speed boats and had sports cars. And I would think like, Oh yeah, look at that. But that for me made it real because again, this is somebody that I had a connection with who's, house I went to, didn't matter that he was even family, but I just saw it with my own eyes, had him say, listen, anybody could do this. It's a matter of what you do with your time. And that just, it, it made it real for me. Um, again, I think like if I was five and I watched a TV show and somebody said, Hey, you could have all this. If you start your own business, I'd be like, okay, next, you know, back to the cartoons. But, um, yeah, I think having somebody in your life like that is very impactful, especially because he, he made a point over the years, like I, I see him once a year still, like maybe twice, but he made a point like, Hey, listen, you know, make sure you, you're working towards something, make sure you, you know, take your shots young, make sure you try something. And that definitely always had me moving that direction. I felt like not only do I see this, but I have somebody that's confident in me, even though I don't think he had any reason to, again, we never talked about business or anything, but um, just, you can like, that's what I consider a mentor, right? Somebody like that, that is just there to kind of, I don't know, either you can call it mentally support you or just give you that little push and give you that confidence. So uh, one of the things that I try to do is do that for as many people as possible. It's not like a huge time commitment. It could be as simple as like, Hey, you're doing great. Or, Hey, make sure you, you know, make sure you follow through on this. And for me, that made all the difference. Have y'all talked about that now? Yeah. About how yeah, much no. of an impact he's had on your life? Yeah, definitely. I, I do. I tell him because I, I saw him like, you know, I don't know, a few months ago. And every time I do, he does ask, he's like, oh, so how's business? And I tell him and um, he definitely knows that that's what got me started on that path. And it's funny, like, you know, now I'm 33 years old and I started my first business. Well, I bought my business when I was 21 and I've never one time I called him for business advice one time. because I thought I had to sue somebody, but like, yeah, that's just like, it's just that, that yearly check-in. And I, I do let him know, like, you know, you motivated me to do this. When you were talking about what it actually did for you, you mentioned the word confidence. Mm -hmm. Why is that the word that stuck out amongst all the others? Probably because, um, like, again, I'm a regular person. Like I did not excel in school at all. You know, in, in college, I did better than high school and middle school, but like middle school and high school, I was probably like a C student. So I never, you know, I wouldn't say I applied myself or I cared that much, but I never got like confidence from that, right? Like, oh, I'm so good at, you know, math or science or whatever. I never had that kind of positive feedback from teachers or anything. Again, because I didn't do well there. Um, sports, like I played sports and stuff, but I wasn't like an all-star athlete. I was just like on the team. So again, average. And, um, you know, 
again, I didn't deserve it, but I never had the coach telling me like, Hey, you're the, you're the best. You're going to do this because again, I was, I was average at that. So, um, even with the business thing, I guess I could have been average. And I, I still think I am. I'm not like some, you know, business genius that has everything figured out. I learn along the way, but that was like one area that I did get that, that, uh, that, that feedback of like, yes, you could do this. Just, it, you know, it takes time. It takes work, but I felt like, you know, I had somebody that really did believe, not just telling me that, but believed that I would be able to make it work. At what point did his belief in you translate into your own belief into yourself? I really think it was from way, like, even when I was super young, like, I, again, I didn't know what the path would be. Even when I was 20, even when I was, yeah, when I was 21, I was still thinking that my path was buying different franchises. So, like I was looking into like Gold's gyms and Subway, you know, Subway sandwich stores and pita pits. And I felt like that was going to be my business. And by the way, his business is not at all related to anything I've done or ever will do. He does um, like commercial heating and cooling of skyscrapers in Manhattan. Like they, so it's not, I know nothing about it. It's not like what I do, but um, yeah, I just, it was the confidence that something would work if I applied myself. So I really think it was from that first conversation, maybe, you know, four or five, six years old. I knew I would do something in business. When you bought your first business, mm-hmm. you said you had saved up money from doing landscaping and other things yep. like that. Did you think of that as entrepreneurial when you were doing those little side hustles? Was that like part of the plan? Not really. Um, yeah, I, I think I knew I would need some money. I guess I always liked to have some money. So I wasn't you know, dependent on anybody. So like when I was 16, I worked at McDonald's that lasted a couple of weeks. I didn't do all there. Then I worked like a party city that lasted, I think like three or four months, a little bit longer. But then I, uh, yeah, I met this guy in the town I grew up in on Long Island and he ran a company. He was a contractor. So they had like, you know, a division where they fixed up people's homes. They had a, t- a team that flipped homes. They had a team that did landscaping on those homes. So I kind of like, got connected with him. And then I was just, what was good about it is I was working to, to make money, but he also, I guess, took a liking to me because I do consider myself a hard worker. So, you know, when we would go from job site to job site, like I would ride with him and he would give me some advice about how he runs his businesses, how he makes investments. So I was making probably, I don't even know, $15 an hour, maybe 20. It was pretty good back then um, in cash, which was awesome. But I also had that added benefit of like, I was, I didn't have an upside in the business at all, but got some cash that I could save, that I could spend and had this now, you know, other mentor figure that built businesses. How did you decide which business you wanted to buy and what happened yeah. once you, once you bought it? So I mentioned the the different franchise opportunities. Um, when I first got out of school, I st- well, even while I was in school, I was going to these things called franchise expos. And they do them like there's one in Florida, I think. They do them on the East Coast. They do them on the West Coast. And the one that I originally thought I was going to buy was the, the Pita Pit franchise. So it's like, you know, Subway, but in Pitas. And I went as far as getting pre-approved with the SBA, the Small Business Administration, for a loan for $250,000. And I was going to open one on Long Island near Hofstra, which is the college near where I grew up. And that was like the way I decided on that was I met a bunch of people that were running them. They were profitable. It seemed like a business I could build and flip. But then kind of last minute, I thought, you know what? Do I want to work 80 hours a week? And like, am I that confident that I could pay this back? Because that is a lot of debt, um, especially when you're super young. So the way that I found my first one after that was let me look into things that I could actually afford, mostly with cash that I saved. So the business that I first bought was not that. I didn't sign that loan. I never opened that franchise. I, uh, I spent $25,000 on a delivery route 
for a bakery in Brooklyn, New York. So basically I got a truck and the rights to drive into Brooklyn, fill it up with boxes of cookies, then go back to Long Island and sell them to grocery stores in the territory of Nassau County, which is where I'm from. So that was the first business. And yeah, honestly, the reason I bought it is because it was the cheapest I could find. And I thought I could put some time into it and probably flip it for, you know, 75 or hundred in a year. That was my plan. And what happened? What happened is I did it for a few weeks. I was running that business and I hated it, but I was stuck because my life savings was gone. And um, I got, I did get lucky as far as like timing. Um, that was 2007 when I was first getting into this. And that's when the book, the four hour work week came out. So um, hopefully everybody's read that, that book, a buddy of mine recommended like right when it came out. And I remember I like, I had got home from selling cookies, to grocery stores. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is terrible. Like I'm going to make it work. Cause I have to, but like, I feel like I really made a bad choice, which I, I did looking back, but um, the book talks about e-commerce. So that book in 2007 introduced me to the fact that you can open back then it was Yahoo store and you could pay them $29 a month. And it basically, talked about how you don't need to be technical. You don't need to be you know, a coder. You could just use this little drag and drop thing. So I spent about a weekend. I built a website. I listed all the cookies on it that I had access to. And there was also a chapter in the book that talked about AdWords. So I figured that out, set up a Google AdWords account, um, started running ads for people that were searching for New York cookies. And within like a few weeks that that one little website was making more money than that business I bought for 25,000. Now the connection came from, you know, the bakery and the cookies, but I didn't have to drive into Brooklyn. I didn't have to deal with store managers. I could sit in my apartment on my computer and run ads. And as soon as that happened, again, it was a few weeks later. That's when I was, I was hooked and I was like, okay, let me sell this truck. Let me sell this territory. And I did that. I think I, I, I either broke even or like made a couple thousand, but I probably like all in probably lost money when you look at like how much time I put into it, but just got rid of it. And um, from there, just started to build more and more e-commerce stores instead of selling cookies. I was like, okay, I'm selling $20, you know, boxes of Italian cookies. Why can't I sell a $500 sofa or a thousand dollar desk? And I just started to look for more and more expensive products and kind of work my way up. So when you first started selling these cookies online, yep. And it, and, and it started to work. Mm -hmm. When was that moment where you were like, oh my goodness. Yep. This is the thing. This is so, it. So the, the first order blew my mind because that, and then that was a cheap, it was like $20 one. And, but that just showed like, whoa, like, is this a real person? Like, you know, I had somebody's name and I had their address. I actually, I remember they were in North Carolina and I remember just like, did somebody from North Carolina really just find my little website that looked, it looked terrible. Cause I don't know, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, did they really just put in their credit card number? And I was like, should I call them? And I think I did to make sure like they really wanted these things. But uh, that, are, like, that, are you real? Are yeah, you yeah, real? Yeah. Do you really want me to ship this? Like, is this a scam? But like that, that made me think like, okay, I guess there's opportunity. Um, then I think I started it. It must've been around some holiday season because, you know, maybe it was a week or two or something like that, but I got one order and it was for, um, it was for a hospital and it was like, I don't know who was somebody that I guess orders gifts for employees of the hospital. And it was like this massive bulk order and they wanted, you know, gift cards on them with different people's names. So they like, I forgot what it was, but it was just so much money for one order through the internet back then, like something I had never seen before. And when I saw that, I was like, Whoa, I never even thought that that was a thing. It was basically like equivalent to 
what I would earn if I got in the truck, drove an hour to Brooklyn, spent an hour in tra- like filling up this thing, spent five hours at grocery stores, then went home, then like maybe, you know, a month later when everything sold through at the stores, I would have made the same amount of money while I was just like probably, I don't know, watching TV or something and got an email that said this order came through. And that's when I was like, okay, this is, this is real. You know, I'm not just getting $20 orders anymore. There's opportunity to sell even just like one thing or one group of things and have a substantial amount of money come through. So I think that's what opened my eyes to what if instead of selling like bundles and individual small products, what if I just sell bigger or more expensive products? What did you find was the difference between selling those smaller, like a box of cookies for 20 bucks and some big, you know, two, $2,000 product? Like what was the difference there? So what I realized is conversions were, um, you know, a little bit lower, meaning like, like with the cookie stuff like that, those ads just, they were crazy because I don't know if there wasn't a lot of competition back then. I would assume there probably wasn't that much. Again, we're back in 2007 now. Um, so, and also like, again, it's funny. Like I, I, the day I learned AdWords, I like I made a winning campaign because the way I did it was target every state besides New York. And the ad copy was once like what triggered it is, is if somebody searched for New York cookies and then my ad would say something like, you know, missing New York bakeries or like missing like, you know, S cookies or all different types based on what they searched. And then it said like in the, you know, the subtext of the ad, like get cookies, you know, direct from our bakery that's been in business for, forgot what it was, but like, you know, over a hundred years shipped out within 24 hours anywhere in the US. So it was just like this winning combo of like an ad that connected with low competition. So um, that was just like, it was crazy return on ad spend. Um, With the more expensive items, it's still like blew my mind that people were buying. The only difference was maybe instead of needing you know, maybe instead of let's call it 20 visitors to get a sale with cookie site, maybe I needed a hundred visitors to get a sale with a, a high ticket site. So, you know, spend a little bit more money before you get the sale, but makes sense because you're making more when the sale comes in. So there really wasn't any sort of longer term sequence. It was just, they would I, search. I, yeah. As far as sales process, no. Um, once I got to like over a thousand dollar product range sales process wise, yes, because people would want to call a lot more often. So that's when I started to make like having to make sure we not only have phone numbers on our website, but we're actively like reaching out via live chat and saying, you can call us just to build that like trust factor. Um, as far as like sales process, that's pretty much it. As far as, uh, like securing products, you know, I sold cookies back then, not because I thought cookies would sell because that's where I had a connection. So with the more expensive products, I did have to find connections in China. Back then I wasn't drop shipping at all. I didn't even know it was a thing. So I think I went on Google and typed in like how to buy stuff from China, um, found Alibaba and then found a bunch of suppliers that had the things that I wanted. And um, what I basically did was make these websites where I was selling the items and I was saying like, this has a four to six week lead time. And then once I had some orders come in, which did happen pretty fast because I was buying ads, then I placed my first order with China. It was for a a 20 foot container. So the smaller one. And I think it was like, it was around like $24,000 or something like that. And I remember I was freaking out because I I still haven't been to China. And the way it works is you pay like a 30% deposit for them to start production. So I sent over maybe like 8,000 and I was like, 
all right, I hope they emailed me back. And they did. <laughs> and then they were like, were like, okay, we're making the stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. And they sent me some, you know, low resolution photos back then. And I was like, all right, that looks like what I think it should be. And then um, when they ship the, the container, they bill you the, the other 70% before it gets to the port. Back then we had stuff going into uh, New Jersey. And I remember thinking like, like I actually went to open the container and I remember thinking like, this is going to be empty or it's going to be like full of bricks or something, but it was please, so, please, 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 yeah, please. I seriously, I was, <laughs> I was praying. I, I was really praying because like, I probably could have bounced back, but my life would have taken a different route if I would have got <laughs> a, lot, a lot of nothing. So yeah, it was a, uh, it was risky, but I believe like, especially when you're starting out, you got to take risks, you know, that you got to do it one way. So you're starting to have this wicked cool success and you're really going all in on e-commerce. Where did you go from there? Stuck with e-commerce, but um, the like kind of the trajectory from, you know, that first container went well. Every I shipped everything out. Um, literally, I was putting labels on stuff like at the point it was ridiculous. Like I didn't know you can use fulfillment centers, but um, we shipped everything out. Customers got it. Customers were happy. So that gave me more confidence. Like, OK, good. Like this is repeatable. So um, for a while, probably about two years, it was finding more opportunity with products, spending more money on ads, growing the business that way. Then in about, it was probably like late 2009, I started to have companies reach out to my websites and they would say things like, hey, we see you sell you know, these sofas. We also have sofas. If you want, you could sell our products and you know, here's our price list. And even then, like I didn't know kind of what they meant. I thought like they wanted me to you know, buy from them like I buy from China. But after a few conversations, they were like, no, 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 no. Like you can sell our products. You can upload our, whatever, our hundred sofas on your website. And if somebody buys from you, you let us know and we'll ship it direct from our warehouse to your customer. Then I was like, oh, I like that. Like, that's good. I don't have to, you know, send all this money. I don't need long lead times because those products were already in warehouses in the States. And uh, the profit margins were really good as well, but based on, you know, the price list they gave me. So once I, I did, you know, realize what they wanted me to do and I started to do it and started to sell those products, I saw the opportunity of instead of having like 50 different SKUs, which is where we were. So like, 50 different products because you know it's expensive to bring in all these variations. Um, now I could have thousands of products almost overnight because it didn't cost me any money. I had to pay my developer to upload all the products. I had to spend some money on traffic to see if people actually wanted these things or not, but I didn't need this wait time and money out to China. So that was like the next evolution. Again, probably late 2009. And then I thought, okay, let me find everybody that makes couches and let me upload all of theirs. And then I thought, okay, I have everybody that makes these. What's the next thing? And what's the next thing? And what's the next thing? So just started to build more and more stores selling all different um, product groups. How did, how did your personal life change when all this was happening? Like what was the impact on Anton as a person during this time? Yeah. So, you know, the person that started it was me when I was you know, just out of school. So still, even when I had like the, when I had the investment into the, the delivery route, I was still working like a day or two with the contractor, either working on houses or doing landscaping just to still make sure like money was coming from somewhere. So basically the only way it changed was, cause again, I still worked a lot. I was still a hard worker. It just changed from me working hard and making a decent amount of money to me working hard and making a lot more money. Um, as far as like what that meant to me, um, Security was a big thing. Like I never felt like 
you know, one thing the four hour work week talks about is like, what's the worst that could happen, right? Like, like really, if people think about it, you know, what's the worst possible thing? And for some people, it's a lot worse than others. Uh, like I mentioned, when we first started talking, you know, I come from a middle-class family, but like, it's a good relationship that I have. And I feel like worst case, my parents would be there for me. So like, I never felt desperate or anything. I never felt like I needed a security blanket, but as I started to build that, it made me feel more confident not that I could, you know, keep going, but that I could be more risky. So that had some upsides and some downsides, um, especially early on. Like when I started to make a lot more money, I definitely made some dumb decisions, like bad investments. Um, some of the businesses I either bought into or start, started weren't profitable and I had extra money. So I thought, oh, it might work eventually. And I, you know, kind of just threw cash away looking back. So that was a negative, um, definitely stressed me out. But uh, other than that, you know, yeah, just keep, it allowed me, it gave me more, more power again, in terms of having that safety net and having the money to invest in new things, but uh, have to use that power wisely or else it's easy. It's a lot, a lot easier to lose money than it is to, uh, to make it. So yeah, learn that lesson early on at least. So you're crushing it on, on the e-com side and then drop shipping becomes a thing mm -hmm. and Maybe you make a few bad decisions here and there, but overall, it's a very upward tra yep. trajectory. Um, how how does the next evolution come about? Yeah, yeah. So the bad decisions were almost all in offline businesses. That that's what got me. But um, yeah, I would say the next evolution was so probably like yeah, it was 2012, late 2012. I um, I had a, one of my networks of stores was with a business partner. And we, at that point, you know, we were years into it to the group that we were running together. And we kind of both felt like there was opportunity, but we both felt like who's going to put in the time to take it to the next level when, you know, there's such an upside. Like, I don't, let's just say, for example, if I put in an extra 10 hours a week into these businesses for the next year and the business made an extra 50K a month in profit. And then, you know, you got 25, but I felt like I built that. Like, do I really want to do that? And it kind of gets to that. It got to that stage. Like it was doing well, but who's going to be the person? Are we going to do it together? It's been years already. So we started to have conversations of, okay, well, maybe I'll buy this from you. You know, I'll just buy you out then I'll grow it. And he said, well, maybe I'll buy you out. Okay. And then we started to throw numbers around like, well, what would you give me? You know, I think he said like, I'll give you like 25. And I was like, I'd probably give you like 30. And then we were like, what are we doing? Like, we have no idea what this is worth. So we, uh, I remember we went on Google, love Google and just searched for like website brokers or business brokers, something like that. And we found a whole bunch of different ones and we started to reach out to them and we said, Hey, we have these businesses and we want to see what they're worth. And we found out they were worth a lot more than we thought they were, um, you know, close to like seven figures. So it was like, okay, well, I'm definitely not buying you out for, for half of that. And he said the same thing. So we're like, okay, let's sell this network. So the next evolution again, probably mid to late 2012 is when we started to look into this sometime in late 2012 is when we sold that network we had together. And from there I thought, okay, so, you know, what, what am I going to do now? I have my stores and I want to build more, but like, how am I going to do this? What's the next evolution? So I went online again and I started to look for different forums and masterminds because back then I just went off trying stuff, but I thought maybe other people are doing something similar. So I think I, you know, went to Google, typed in e-commerce forum. And what I found was the warrior forum. Uh, are you familiar with that site? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it used to be a lot more popular, but um, I remember going to it and there was an e-commerce section. I clicked into that and I knew within like 20 minutes, like this is a joke. Like 
at least back then, it was just people giving the worst advice ever. Um, you know, everybody's trying to sell them, like sell each other, just random $7 eBooks. And I was like, this is, this is terrible. If this is what's out there. So I made an account and I just started to like, you know, chime in on different threads, like, Hey, actually, maybe you want to try to run your ads this way, or maybe you should try to find a supplier this way instead of what this guy told you, because that's never going to work. So just, you know, basic answering questions. And, um, People liked what I had to say because they could tell it actually worked. And uh, that is what got me started with realizing people actually want to know more about how I do what it is I do. So from there, that, that's what got me into making the first version of Dropship Lifestyle back in, uh, in 2013. And once you started to develop it, like what were some of the pivotal moments there? Oh, there've been a lot. Yeah. So, um, you know, the online like info space is just, it's night and it's totally different from the physical product side, especially the way that we do physical products. Um, so at first it was just me, you know, on this forum and I think like, you know, you have a signature. So my signature said my website, and I think I had like seven basic videos that I recorded and people were, you know, clicking it, they were buying it. And from there, what would happen is they would get access to the videos in a members area. And then we also had like a little forum because I wanted people to have these conversations, but have them after being educated almost, you know, so instead of just like jumping in blindly, it's like, no, go through the course, like understand what works, then ask like better questions. So um, what happened is that originally that like that community aspect the forum became like the most valuable thing. Like the videos were a great starting point, but the quality of conversation just was super high from day one. And what that led to was the people that were in there talking just organically telling other people like, Hey, if you're in e-commerce, you should check this out. You know, if you're looking to get started with an online business, you should check out dropship lifestyle. So for the first, again, probably year or two, um, this was just something where I would answer questions maybe for like you know, I don't know, 20 minutes a day on the forum and try to help people out, point them in the right direction. And just all, all organically from people telling each other, from people posting, it really just, it kept growing like month over month growth. And then after a couple of years, I realized like, okay, what do I want to do with this? Like dropship lifestyle. Like it's a business now at this point, like it's making a lot more money than I ever thought it would. Should I try to make it I don't know, something like more complete, like, should I have a team to support it? Should I have, um, you know, ads and try to actually pay to bring people in instead of just having this organic word of mouth thing going? Should I do coaching webinars every month where I'm answering questions? So um, that's what it's looked like after that, that first initial growth. It's looked like trying to find anywhere there's a hole in the system. The way I find out is people say I'm confused on this or that. And then either, you know, rebuilding the course, adding new videos, adding new tools, trying to make it as complete as possible. So that's been the evolution for the past, what is that, six years now, since 2013? Yep. So you have your information product business, you have your physical product business. They're both growing. Mm -hmm. How do you manage all of that? A team, yeah. That was, yeah, the one of the biggest things that held me back too with e-commerce was like not bringing anybody on early enough, um, thinking I could do it all myself, thinking I was the best at everything. And not even thinking I was the best, but thinking like if somebody else touches this, they won't know what to do, it'll break. And that, like, I, I had that mindset for a couple of years. Um, but I like, yeah, I was, by the time I started Dropship Lifestyle, I, I knew the reason we had been growing was because of people beyond me. So um, what it looked like with Dropship Lifestyle is like, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go out there on like LinkedIn and, you know, websites like that and try to find these 
info product experts or anything. Um, I think I just sent an email to our list the first time. And back then I was living out in, um, was I in Thailand? No, I was living in Vietnam. And I sent out an email and I was like, hey, like I'm gonna grow dropship lifestyle. We're gonna make it again, something bigger. And I'm looking for a couple people that can come on board as marketing assistants. Um, we work, I think it was like, you know, I don't know what it was, nine to four. Um, there was good pay, there was incentive bonuses, but also like not only will you be a part of growing this, but you're gonna learn like literally like exactly what I do. So had awesome responses to that, brought out a couple people um, to Vietnam and we worked together out there for maybe a couple of years, just, you know, doing what we're talking about, making better content, um, filling holes, making sales funnels online to bring people in that don't know us yet. And um, that's, that's how we were able to grow. Again, it wasn't just me thinking like, let me make a Facebook ad or something. It was, a, it was me with people that actually cared about the, the program and the community that because they already had paid and been part of it. And uh, us all working together to, to make something real out of it. So now that you're here, well, actually, before I ask that question, can you can you tell us like where is here? Where are you right now? What's your yeah. biggest focus? So if anybody if anybody sees sees me where I physically am, I'm I, uh, we just moved. I, I've been out in Austin, Texas, for the past like three and a half years. Um, just moved to North Carolina on Friday. Um, so yeah, I'm here in a my my future home office with a desk and nothing else. But um, what what the plan is now? Like the reason for the move from Austin is because we're kind of taking the the next step again, not just with Dropship Lifestyle, like I, I like what we're doing there, but on the physical product side of things. So one thing that I wanted to find a place to settle before I did um, is build not just like our office again, where I can go and get stuff done, but a place where we can also bring in physical products. And we're not gonna be doing a lot of shipping ourselves. Again, most stuff we do is drop shipped. The stuff that is brought in, um, you know, private label and whatnot is through fulfillment centers. But I want to actually have like maybe 2000 square feet where I can have our products. So when people from Dropship Lifestyle come to the office to hang out or when people from, you know, companies we work with on the e-commerce side come in, we can actually like, you know, have something to show almost. So, yeah, we can do unique things like product videos for the Internet and whatnot, but we can also make the thing more real by having people physically see it. That was one thing like with our Austin office, I loved it, but like you would have no idea what you did if you walked in there. So I don't know, I have this like vision of half, you know, office training center, half product display slash mini storage area type thing. So that's what we're going to be building here. Still looking for property, but that's what's, that's what we're working on right now. What's your, what's your vision like? When you look 20 years down the road, 30, 40, 50 years down the yep. road, what do you see? Where do you want to go? It's tough. Um, you know, personally, I want to keep building businesses. I really do enjoy it. It's a passion of mine. It's fun. Um, so I always want to be working on something that has opportunity. Uh, it's really hard to, you know, try to gauge that far just because things change so fast. Like if you asked me, you know, two years ago, how things would be different in two years, you know, with how we get traffic and how we build sites and what apps we use, I probably would have guessed something like totally different. So the main thing that I'm looking for, I, I want 
dropship lifestyle, at least in some form, to always be around. Maybe dropshipping completely flips the way it works. Maybe it means something different, but I want a way to actively be able to help people and engage. We also do like a live event every year in a different location in the world. And like, I love that part of it too, bringing people together. So having whatever that looks like, you know, 20 years from now, 50 years from now, I'd like that to be a part of my life. And then from a, from a business side, like in the physical products, it's going to be for me what it's always been, which is making sure I'm not just doing what works now, but taking about 10% of my time, my team's time, our money, and putting it into something that might have an opportunity. So um, not not getting set in our old ways, but trying to make as much money there as we can at the same time. What do you want to leave behind as your legacy? Yeah, um, more so I think, you know, the physical product stuff is like nameless. It's just, it's a service basically. We're helping people get what they want. Um, the, the, the info side, that's what I want the legacy to be. I want there to be a ton of people that say, yeah, right now I'm running business X, Y, and Z. And I remember it started way back in, you know, 2015 when I saw this guy named Anton on YouTube, I watched one of his videos and it started me on this path that led me here. Um, again, you know, that book, the four hour work week, what I do now is not related to what I read then, but it got me on that path. My uncle, what he said to me when I was five is not related at all to what I do now, like you know, business-wise, but it got me on that path. So um, putting out as much as I can to educate people and get them moving in the right direction and see where that leads them. We've talked a lot about your professional journey, but what's been going on on the personal side this whole time? Yeah. Um, when I was, I lived out in Vietnam for about three years. When I was there, I met uh, a woman that changed the way I thought about marriage and family. I always thought I'd be kind of a single guy, you know, just didn't never saw a need for marriage or anything and um, felt the need when I, uh, when I found her. So been, uh, been married now for a few years. We have a 17 month old baby boy. He was a uh, part of the reason for the move also. So uh, yeah, personally, you know, life's good. It's a, uh, he's not uh, he's out of his crying phase. He's uh, into his, having fun plays. So I'm just trying to teach him to play yes. golf every day in the backyard. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just, just having a good time with it, enjoying it. How has your identity changed since you became a husband and a father? Hmm. Maybe on the father side, like not, not like internally, but from the way it's perceived probably because I make you know a lot of content. I post videos, I do podcasts and stuff. Uh, like I used to be this guy that lived in Asia for years and that traveled the world. And that was a quote unquote digital nomad. I never liked that, but like that was the identity that people saw. And now it's like, again, like I'm in the backyard trying to teach my kid how to play golf. So like maybe I seem like a different person. So still the same guy. I love to travel, love to, uh, you know, enjoy everything there is that, that, you know, we could take in and um, that life has to offer. But I think, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a family man now. <laughs> I'm enjoying it though. You know, We've talked a lot about what's been going on and, and where you want to go and the legacy that you want to leave behind. But what drives you? What's your why, your purpose? Yeah. Um, it's really hard. And I, I ask people the same question all the time because I think that, you know, that's what gets people like that, like underlying thing. Um, I think for me, like it does go way back to having again, like my uncle had that confidence in me back then. And it, I wouldn't say not wanting to like let him down because I thought like he doesn't, you know, he's not like, how, what's going on now? What do you But like, just that, you know, like this is my thing, right? Like business has always been my thing. I've always told people it was going to be. I've always tried to learn as much as I could. I, I've never done learning. Like 
I, I read, I listen to podcasts, I watch videos, I buy courses, right? So like, that's my identity for myself. Like somebody that builds successful businesses has plenty of failures along the way. But I think my, my why is because like, I want to win. I want to win in business. I want that to be my thing where over half the time I'm coming out ahead of the game. So I think that that's why that's my, that's my personal identity. What do you think the purpose of life is? I have no idea. I would say try to make the world better. Try to keep people happy. I don't think we're doing much of that overall, but um, you know, I don't know. I have a, like a personal thing in my own life. Like it, it applies well to business too. Like just don't be, don't be negative. Don't bring anybody else down. If anybody else is down and they're approaching you with it, respond in a positive way and try to end it. But um, I don't think that's the purpose of life, but it makes life a lot easier. And um, you know, again, feel comfortable taking risks with it. I think one thing that, again, is not the purpose, but one thing that would be a big regret in life would be just kind of going through it and always having everything planned. And one day realizing like, oh, that went according to plan, but it's not really that great. It's just what I thought would be safe. So um, I, don't, I don't think that's the purpose of life. So if, if the regret would be, you know, you have this plan, and it goes according to plan. It's like, okay, well now what? And it's not big enough because you're playing it safe. That's exactly what I was about to ask. How yeah. do you think bigger? Yeah. Um, a lot of it is just trying things that maybe you think you're going to fail at as crazy as that sounds. Maybe trying things that you think might not be the best investment. So not like thinking like, oh, this is a bad investment because, you know, I, I, if, you, if you really have a, a reason to believe that something's gonna fail, like a valid reason, then probably don't do that. But a lot of the things that we do, like spending money on ads, like the amount of money that we spend now, I would have never, ever, ever thought that was a thing. And what I see a lot of people do, let's say the person, right, that's listening to this is out there, they're running their business and they're spending $10,000 a month on ads and it's making them a really nice amount of money in profit and they're super happy. And that's like their safety net, right? They're their safe zone and they're kind of posting along there, I would say what you, you know, what you should try is like maybe next month you spend 15, maybe eventually you spend 20, maybe one day you're spending 500 a month, you know, 500,000. Um, so like just always trying to level up. And that's like, when you asked me, you know, what do I see in 20 or 50 years? The reason it's hard is because what I want is things to like literally grow exponentially, but I, I'm, I don't think that way now. Like, I don't think I'm going to spend, you know, 10 times what I'm spending now on ads in five years. Cause to me, that does sound insane. Um, like that might sound to anybody else. So I would just say like, no, I'm never going to do that. But just always like auditing yourself, seeing where you feel comfortable and then trying to push it just a little bit, even when it feels risky and accepting the fact that it won't always work, but you don't need it to always work. You just need it to work more times than, uh, than it doesn't. What's one truth that you hold that you feel nobody else does? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people going back to like the entrepreneurial mindset, I, I think a lot of people feel that when people succeed, they're either smarter than them or they're better connected than them, or they, you know, just have more luck all around than them. And while like, there's always going to be variables of those things, I've met so many different entrepreneurs from all walks of life at this point, and there's no formula. Um, it really does come down to work and it comes down to you're going to fail. Like you're like, I fail all the time. You're going to fail. And the, the truth is that as long as you're acting on what you learned by failing, you will win. So um, again, don't, 
write off successful people that their families were rich or again, that they, you know, met somebody at the park that invested in them. Like, no, if you want to do this, there's literally 0% chance of failing. As long as every time you do have those mini failures, you use that to move on to the next thing and you'll get there, whether it takes a week, a month, 10 years, anybody could be very successful with entrepreneurship. So clearly you're massively successful and you're helping a ton of people, helping people grow their business, you're helping people get the products that they need. Like you're crushing it. Right. But I feel like yeah, every, there's always setbacks though. Like you say that, I, I don't feel that way. We're doing well, but there's always, there's always ups and downs. So yeah, keep that in mind too. If anybody thinks it's all like rainbows over here, cause I've been doing it so long, like last month, even, you know, dealing with PayPal, holding money for two weeks and dealing with this and that there's always something. So just keep that in mind. But yeah. So with, with that in mind, yeah, I feel like everybody still has a comfort zone. Yes. What makes you uncomfortable? Um, buying this house did. So I'm 33 years old and I've never owned a house before because I travel usually. So I usually rent. Um, that made me uncomfortable, you know, choosing that, like, this is a place we're going to be here for, I I'm saying now, like probably at least five years, um, commitment to location <laughs> that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to be geo shackled. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. It's, it's, it's new to me. Yeah. So one thing that I believe is a foundation of humanity. Um, and, I, and I don't say that lightly, uh, is connection on many, many, many different levels. Um, and, and I'm interested in learning what is your philosophy on developing deep, meaningful, and genuine connection with another human being? Um, I would say I, I agree. I don't have many of them. I think that's for a reason. I think there's a lot of superficial relationships, um, especially with like, you know, networking events when you're in business. Um, I don't go to a lot of those for that reason. You know, I'm not into like the whole popularity contest type thing. Um, not into the whole like, Oh, let's all promote each other thing and just be friends because it's going to make us a bunch of money. So that's one reason I'm kind of like an outlier, like by myself in this world, but the relationships that I have, like my best friends have been my best friends since I was in fifth grade and I moved to a new town. Um, you know, my wife, again, was the only woman I ever, ever, ever thought about marriage with. And I met her when I was like 30 years old. So I don't have many relationships. And then I do have some like great friends from college. Um, I do have some great friends from when I was living abroad, but they're definitely far and few in between. Um, so like you kind of mentioned, you know, focus on depth rather than width and knowing everybody and always being plugged in with everybody in my Facebook feed. How does somebody get that depth with you? Uh, you know, I would say just can just a connection. Like I don't. It's defining it with what it is, but just um, similarities, feeling probably like a main thing would be is the person like a good person. Like I could I can honestly say like all my really good friends. Like the reason they're still my really good friends is because they're great people like in in every area of life i feel like you know they're they're there not just for me but they're there for others as well right like for their families for their husbands or wives or boyfriends or girlfriends so um that's hard to prove when you meet somebody on the street but you know just i don't know if you get like if i get a feeling that somebody's inauthentic for example then there's not, we're not going to be friends and that's fine. Like you don't need to be friends with everybody. Um, also if anybody is like the type of person that brags about 
faking any type of thing. And, you know, there's a lot of that that goes on too. Then it's just like, okay, yeah, good, good for you. Enjoy it again. Like try to end everything with positivity, but that's not going to be someone I'm trying to meet up with for dinner next week, you know? So just, I guess, authentic people that seem like quality, good people. What's your greatest theory? On what? Whatever comes to mind first. <laughs> Let's see. My greatest theory. Nothing's coming to mind right now. Okay, well, I'll share mine and then, okay. and then maybe maybe that can uh, either give you some time to think or maybe that'll trigger yeah, something. Yeah. Um, I truly believe that the purpose of life and, and my purpose, and I believe um, for those who, who want it to be their purpose, theirs too, is a constant journey of self-discovery and learning more about yourself and really getting in touch with who you are at your core and fundamentally understanding yourself at a very deep level. Because I believe that there is that core of who we are, but there are also layers, right? Because there are external influences that have become a part of us that have you know, interact with our core and influenced our core and that we've taken into, we think they are our own beliefs and then we are constantly moving forward. So there are new influences and they're all working together and there are many layers. So it's like, how do you determine what's really you and what's not you? And, you know, so, so amidst all that, the purpose is to get clarity there and mm -hmm. to truly understand yourself so that you can fully express who you are at the most fundamental level. Mm -hmm. That is what I believe the the purpose of life is. And, and that is my greatest theory to date. I'm 24. So we'll see yeah. how that evolves over time. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Um, all right. I mean, that, that got me to think of one thing that I don't know, like it's, it, it's tied into that. Um, and it was uh, something I heard on a, a podcast. So I'm not going to give credit to the person because I totally forgot who it was, but didn't come up with this. But um, just thinking about like, kind of mentioned earlier, talking about people that kind of seem like negative all the time and like they're trying to take it out on you or they, you know, they just seem to always have something going on, right? Like a problem. And um, what I thought, you know, what I think is crazy about that, like if, if I have a problem, again, nowhere near perfect, but like, I do think I'm good at knowing like, okay, this thing is really like, I got, something's got to happen. Like, let me, let me fix this and, you know, check it off the list or get rid of it and move on to the next thing. So on the podcast, what, um, what the, the, this person gave advice for to help figure out what those problems are in your life. If you're not happy or if you think you're happy, but you know, there might, you might feel a little off. Uh, he said like, basically what you should do is take, what was it? There was like different segments of that make up, you know, most people's realities. So like your relationship, um, you know, maybe with your husband or wife or again, boyfriend or girlfriend, um, your job or how much money you make. Um, what was the other one? Like maybe like where you live and like, oh, there was maybe a couple more, but take all those big things and then rank them on a score from one to 10, like one being like, this thing is the worst. Like to do that with all these categories. And then what you'll see like right away, and this works for me too, uh, what you'll see is some of them, you'll just give like tens. You'll be like, oh no, I really, like, this is good. This is good. And then some of them, you might just give like even a seven to, or even an eight. But if you rank like four things and three of them, you know, have uh, have tens and like one of them has a seven or an eight, then that's the thing. Like, even if you feel like a little bit unhappy sometimes, even if you think it's really high, that thing is causing you some stress. So maybe it is your relationship with your significant other. And it, that's where 
again, focus your time there. Like don't do a million things trying to figure it out because that, you know, kind of raised its hand as the issue. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. And it did make some things stand out to me too. So, um, I would recommend people do that, figure out what the underlying cause is if you don't feel happy in life. And, um, that's a good starting point. What are you the most afraid of? I would say like going back to like what drives me is like succeeding in business. And again, there's been plenty of failures along the way. So, um, I don't know, maybe one day everything I do just doesn't work anymore. And instead of having like, I'm going to make up a number, but instead of having like a 30% failure rate, I don't know what it actually is. It goes to 60 and then it goes to 70 and then it goes to 80. And then I'm like, do I not know how to build businesses anymore? Um, I think that probably motivates me to work too, because if that happens, it's because I stop being a student and I stop actively seeing what works. But uh, I think I use that fear to again, try to educate myself as much as I can. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on the show today. Just have a couple more questions for you, then we'll wrap it all up. Cool. Is there anything about yourself that you think is an important part of who you are that we did not talk about today? In other words, what did I miss? Yeah. Um, eh, not much. I mean, I'm going to throw it out there again in case anybody's looking for inspiration. I do think I, I am a hard worker. When I made $7 at Party City, like I did a lot of work while other people sat there and were like, why are you working so hard? And it was because somebody was paying me to do a job and I felt like I should do it. So, um, you know, if anybody needs to like work on anything, I, I would highly recommend that like work hard for yourself, work hard for other people. Cause if you don't work hard for other people and you go for yourself, you're going to have that. Like, why am I, you know, why do I have to do all this? So, yeah. So I'm, I mentioned before that I'm 24 and I, and I say that cause I believe it's relevant to the question I'm about to ask. Um, what question or questions should I be asking you specifically me be asking specifically you that I just wouldn't think to ask? Hmm. Um, it depends on what your, your goals are. I would say, um, maybe, uh, maybe more about like mistakes and whatnot, because it's always great. Like I love talking about what works, but a lot of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the years were from places I messed up, you know, or places somebody screwed me over or times I got too cocky and too confident. So uh, maybe more about the, the downsides and the realities and yeah, lessons learned over that time period. Can you, can you give us some of those before we, before we leave? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many, I could write a book on it. Um, one of them, you know, would be thinking, like I mentioned, I could do it all myself, um, not bringing people on early enough. If you do want to scale, what I learned is, you can't be the person answering customer support tickets while making web pages, while you know taking phone calls. Um, that was a big lesson. Um, another big lesson was making uh, investments into so someone else's business. You know, you hear these stories of like Tim Ferriss and Gary Vaynerchuk, and they invested in Uber when they were nothing. Um, for most people, you don't see those opportunities. You have like maybe a friend or a family member um, or even like someone you went to school with maybe that C is like, oh, you know, your business is taking off. Like I'm actually working on a business too. And, you know, we're looking for this investment for this amount of equity and things like that. And um, I know for me, I felt like, oh, it's a win-win. You know, I have some money now and I can not only help this person grow their business, but I get to get in that upside too. And it does sound really enticing. Um, I do think though, most of the time it's just not worth it. 
Um, it could hurt relationships. It could also lose you money. And like best case scenario is everybody wins. But even if that happens, like there'll probably still be a point down the line where people are complaining about equity or something. So probably best not to invest in those type of projects. Um, another thing, you know, I, I probably would say is, is, is worth mentioning is be careful, like who you learn from and who you associate with in the, in the business world, the people that aren't your friends. Um, when I was young, naive, I, I really did think like for a long time, I felt like everybody was in business for the right reasons. I thought people, um, not just from the info side, but for the physical side too, I thought people like said something that is true. And what I realized over the years is people will say anything, not everybody, but just like sociopaths that will say anything to get people on their side and to, you know, make a deal happen or to get some money or to get a referral. So um, I hate to say it, like really don't take too many people out of their word, um, especially if it's a financial thing or a business partnership thing, like triple check everybody you're working with, really check what is. Um, yeah, that was a big lesson. Well, thank you very, very much, Anton, for uh, coming on the show and, you know, being, being willing to talk about your story and share this time with me. Um, I'm very grateful and, and I can only imagine how busy uh, you are. So thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. The conversation. And to everybody who's listening, watching, I want to thank you all very, very much. Um, I love you, each and every one of you, um, especially you. I know, I know you know uh, you know I'm talking about you. So thank you very much. I appreciate you sticking with us till the end. I'm very grateful for your support um, you know, of, of the show and, and everything. So I love you guys. Thank you. And I will see you on the very next episode. Take care now.